Hello, you are listening to the What I'm Cooking for Dinner podcast. What I'm Cooking for Dinner is a food podcast focused on simple ingredients, family cooking, and cooking on a budget. Each week, I discuss the challenges of cooking for my family and how I manage to put dinner on the table every night with as little trauma as possible. I don't shy away from talking about the mistakes that I make in the kitchen, recipes that work or don't work for me and why, and how I adapt ready-made products into healthy, well-balanced, and tasty meals. I'm obsessed with trying new recipes and new products, especially Trader Joe's limited seasonal products. Did you know that you can follow What I'm Cooking for Dinner on Instagram at What I'm Cooking for Dinner? You can see all pictures of all the meals that I have been cooking there. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash what I'm cooking for dinner. Also, if you like the podcast, please leave a review on whatever podcasting app that you use. By leaving a review, it will help other people find the podcast. started with this week's episode. So this week we'll be talking about sheet pan noodles with pork, gochujang apricot glazed pork chops with roasted broccoli and shrimp breadcrumbs, spinach macaroni and cheese, sausage and chickpea spaghetti with whipped lemon ricotta, and blue cheese and potato tart. All right, so let's start with talking about the sheet pan noodles with pork. So I first saw this idea of doing sheet pan noodles on Smitten Kitchen. They have a recipe called sheet pan chow mein. Um, for some reason, I, but I can't remember, I didn't use that recipe. And instead, I used a recipe from New York Times called Crispy Sheet Pan Noodles with Glazed Tofu as the inspiration for this. So that recipe calls for three blocks of instant ramen noodles, two tablespoons of sesame oil, two tablespoons of a neutral oil, two tablespoons of soy sauce, salt, one 14-ounce package of extra firm tofu, three baby bok choy, and cilantro. And then there's also a marinade, which has two tablespoons of poison, two ta- one tablespoon of sesame oil, one tablespoon of maple syrup, one garlic clove, and one teaspoon of sesame seeds. Now, what I ended up cooking only vaguely reflects this recipe, so I did the following. I did the three blocks of an instant ramen, one tablespoon of sesame oil, two tablespoons of a neutral oil, two tablespoons of soy sauce, one tablespoon of black bean paste, one cup of frozen vegetable medley, which I think had corn, green beans, peas, and carrots, and then about one and a half pounds of pork fine chop that I sliced into thin pieces. And then for the marinade, I did two tablespoons of oyster sauce, a tablespoon of sesame oil, a tablespoon of maple syrup, and a teaspoon of sesame seeds. I didn't have any hoisin sauce, Oyster sauce is not a replacement for hoisin sauce, but I thought it would work well in the marinade and it did. So your first step, and this is the same for uh, both recipes, is to heat the oven to 450 degrees, boil the water, and then put your ramen noodles in a heat-proof bowl and fill uh, boiling water over the noodles, and then soak for five minutes, then drain. And yes, you can make this with other types of noodles. You could use it with egg noodles, lo mein noodles, you could do wheat noodles, you could do spaghetti, Uh, You could do rice noodles, just any type of noodle will work in this. Then you're going to make your marinade by mixing together all the marinade ingredients and pour over your pork or whatever you're using. If you're using tofu, chicken, you can also make this without either and you can just make it completely with vegetables. 
and then set aside while preparing the rest of the ingredients. Step three is you're gonna place your noodles on the sheet pan. Uh, so one thing to note is you do wanna use a full-size sheet pan for this. I only have half-size sheet pans, and a half-size sheet pan was not large enough for the amount of noodles in this recipe. So you wanna use a full-size sheet pan for this, or you wanna spread it across two sheet pans. Or you can have the recipe as well. And then you're gonna add the sesame oil, the neutral oil, soy sauce, black bean paste, and frozen vegetables. Then toss and combine and then spread the noodles out evenly. Then add the pork to the noodles. Now try to move the noodles around so the pork can touch the pan. Like I said, because my sheet pan was too small, I wasn't really able to do this. And you want them to be able to touch the pan so that they can also get that caramelization and browning happening. And then place on the bottom rack of the oven and bake for 15 minutes. Step five is remove the sheet pan from the oven and toss the noodles to redistribute and more evenly cook and crisp. Return to the oven and cook for another seven minutes. Uh, we really, really liked this meal, especially the kids. Uh, though Al and I did think that there needed to be more vegetables and less meat, the balance wasn't quite there between the noodles, meat, and vegetables. And like I said, I think this also would be really great as a vegetarian meal, and you can replace the pork with more vegetables or with tofu. But I really like this idea of cooking the noodles in the oven. I like the fact that it was, you know, it's one pan at the end of the night that you only have to cook, uh, you know, clean. And uh, I liked how the noodles in some places got crispy. Would have been better if I had them distributed across two pans or a larger sheet pan. But I really like this and I would absolutely be making it again. It seems like it would be super adaptable for whatever you have in your house in terms of, you know, protein, vegetables, or the types of noodles that you have around. I also wonder if it's good work for doing uh, uh, doing this with rice as well. I think that might be an interesting challenge. All right, so next up we have the gochujang apricot glazed pork chops and roasted broccoli with shrimp breadcrumbs. So I had been playing around in my head with this idea of a spicy apricot glaze for a while. And I really thought that the strong kind of fermented and spicy flavor of the gochujang would pair well with the sweetness and slight acidity of apricot preserves over a more vinegar-based hot sauce. So a lot of your vinegar-based, your hot sauces are going to be vinegar-based, so uh, Tapatio, Tabasco, Cholula, most of those, uh, Frank's Red Hot Sauce, most of those are vinegar-based hot sauces. Uh, but the gochujang is a paste, and it's not a hot sauce, and so I like the fact that it didn't have that vinegar in it. I did end up actually having to add some vinegar to my uh, sauce, but I'll talk about that in a moment. So the first thing I did with this is I dry brined the pork chops. So if you want to learn more about dry brining over a traditional wet brine, I do recommend reading the section in J. Kenji Alt Lopez's Food Lab, which explains the science behind each method. Now, he is a great resource for science-based cooking. So to dry brine a pork chop or any other cut of meat, so if you're making a steak or you're cooking chicken, you want to rub salt all over the meat and place on a rack above a baking sheet and then place that in the fridge. And you can do this for um, as little as 45 minutes or up to overnight. And then Al grilled these on our propane grill outside. We actually had nice enough weather to do this. And I had never done a grilled pork chop before. And... Wow, I, I need to do this more often for pork chops because it was the juiciest, most flavorful pork chop I've ever cooked at home. 
And um, I'm not usually a fan of pork chops, and neither is Al. I usually find them too dry and not particularly flavorful. But by dry brining and, and grilling it, it was moist and flavorful and just really delicious. And so while Al was grilling, I made the glaze. And so this is for the glaze. You're going to mix together a third cup of apricot preserves, a third cup of water, one teaspoon of gochujang. So gochujang goes a long way. That teaspoon was actually quite spicy. And then a tablespoon of dark soy sauce. You could also use regular soy sauce or reduced sodium soy sauce. Dark soy sauce is what I had on hand. It's saltier and thicker than a regular soy sauce. And then a tablespoon of rice vinegar. You could probably use another type of vinegar if that's what you have on hand. You could use white vinegar, you could use white wine vinegar, you could use apple cider vinegar, but I thought rice vinegar would go well with the other flavors that I was using in the sauce. Then you're going to bring this to a boil and reduce until you have a glossy sauce. And then add your cooked pork chops and coat with a glaze and then cook for about another one or two minutes. And these turned out perfect and I'm really proud of this dish because I kind of, you know, I thought of it on my own and workshopped it and but it just came out really, really well and I can't wait to cook it again. Uh, so along with the pork chops, I made roasted broccoli with shrimp breadcrumbs and this is a little less successful. So I had this kind of harebrained idea that adding shrimp paste to breadcrumbs would be a good thing. And there's a recipe from the food lab by J. Kenji Lopez, Alt Lopez, that is um, broccoli or broccolini with anchovy breadcrumbs that I've made before and was really delicious. And I thought the strong, salty, fermented flavor of shrimp paste would work really well. You'll find shrimp paste um, in a lot of Southeast Asian dishes. Uh, I was using particularly a, a Thai uh, shrimp paste. And so here was what I, uh, I used, I did. So I had a pound of frozen chopped broccoli, a teaspoon of sesame oil, two teaspoons of sesame seeds, and two tablespoons of olive oil. And then for the breadcrumbs, I had a teaspoon of shrimp paste, two teaspoons of olive oil, and one cup of breadcrumbs. So what you'll do is you'll preheat your oven to 400 degrees. And then on a sheet pan, toss the broccoli with olive oil and season with salt and pepper. Roast for 30 to 35 minutes, flipping the broccoli halfway uh, through until browned, and then floors are beginning to crisp. So I think that, so note here, that this would have been a lot more successful of a recipe if I hadn't used frozen chopped broccoli. I think that this would work great with fresh broccoli florets or broccolini or broccoli rob. Um, I think that that would be much better than using the frozen broccoli. The frozen broccoli is what I had on hand. I've been buying a lot more frozen vegetables because I find that my fresh vegetables don't normally make it through to the end of the week. Sometimes I don't use them up and uh, frozen allows me to use smaller amounts. I don't have to make a huge amount of them at the time. I can just put them back in the freezer and also they tend to be just a little bit more affordable for us. So while the broccoli is cooking, you're going to prepare the shrimp breadcrumbs. So heat your olive oil in a pan on medium, add the shrimp paste, stir and cook for about a minute. And then you're going to add your breadcrumbs to the shrimp paste and cook for about three to four minutes or till the breadcrumbs are brown. You don't want them to burn though. Okay, so you do need to keep an eye on this and not let it burn. Then you're going to toast your sesame seeds in a pan on medium low heat, add in your sesame seeds and cook for about 30 seconds or until the seeds begin to brown and turn fragrant. 
and then toss the sesame seeds and sesame oil with the broccoli and then top with the shrimp breadcrumbs. So this didn't quite work the way that I was thinking it would work. Uh, the shrimp paste was fragrant, like really fragrant. It has a very strong aroma, but it wasn't particularly flavorful. And um, so I would either need to add more or I think just maybe completely workshop this uh, and maybe play around with it with some more, you know, is shrimp paste the right thing to do here? Or is there a different, you know, fermented uh, fish product that would work a little bit better? Does it maybe need some fish sauce? I'm not sure. I need to work on it some more. Um, fresh broccoli, like I said, or broccolini would work much better for the roasting than the chopped frozen broccoli that I would use. I did really like the sesame with the broccoli. Um, I think sesame oil and sesame seeds go very, very nicely with broccoli. So would absolutely use that again with this, uh, with, with broccoli, even frozen broccoli. I thought it was, it was very nice, but the, the breadcrumbs I think need some work or, uh, I need to just put it aside and not do that again. <laughs> All right. So next up we have, uh, spinach, mac and cheese. So the other day we were working on making some macaroni crafts, uh, because I had a bunch of macaroni that was on sale I think for for products for $5 at Albertson. So I stocked up on pasta and one of the ones was a giant two pound bag of macaroni. And so we were using it to make the macaroni art. And I thought that uh, it would be good to make some a macaroni meal. And one of my daughters actually specifically requested that we make something with macaroni. And I haven't really been into macaroni and cheese for a while now. I mean, there's really great macaroni and cheese out there, uh, but my my platonic ideal of macaroni and cheese is craft germ, you know, the craft macaroni and cheese from a box with the powder and uh, the little tiny noodles. I, I, I just have in my head that that is like the best macaroni and cheese, even though I know that there's better macaroni and cheese out there. But when I want macaroni and cheese, that's what I want. And I've never really been into baked macaroni and cheese very much. I either find it... Um, too rich and gluey or too dry. So I, I, I don't normally make it that way. I normally, if I'm going to make macaroni and cheese, I do it on the stovetop. This week I decided I wanted to try making uh, the macaroni and cheese from How to Cook Everything by Mark Fickman. I've had this book for years. It's a great resource for when you're first starting out learning how to cook uh, because it just has so much information included in it. So I highly recommend if you're getting started on your journey of learning how to cook a lot of different things that you pick up how to cook everything. There's also a vegetarian version. I think that there is a version that's for like 30 minute meals as well. And Mark Fitman uh, was a writer for the New York Times. He did a lot of recipe uh, development there. So he has a lot of knowledge about food and uh, all the different kinds of foods and how to cook them. So it's a great resource. I wouldn't say it's my favorite cookbook because the recipes aren't necessarily all that creative um, because there are just so many of them in there. So you can't really focus on developing incredibly creative recipes that are very inspiring, but it's really good for learning how to do the basics. Okay, so this recipe calls for salt, two and a half cups of milk, two bay leaves, one pound of elbow uh, pasta, four tablespoons of butter, three tablespoons of flour, one and a half cups of grated cheese. I use cheddar. Half a cup of freshly grated Parmesan cheese. I actually ended up using Cotija because that's what I had in my fridge. 
and freshly ground black pepper and half a cup or more of breadcrumbs. And then I also added most of a bag of spinach to this. So heat the oven to 400 degrees and bring a large pot of water to boil and salt it. Then heat the milk with the bay leaves in a small saucepan over medium low heat. And then uh, after some bubbles appear on the side, you're going to, about five minutes, you're going to turn it off and let it stand. Then you're going to cook your pasta in the boiling water to where you think it would be. You need another minute or two to be tender. I totally ended up overcooking my pasta. Um, and then you're going to make your roux by melting your butter and then adding your flour and stirring. And then, um, you know, you want that to brown. It takes about three to five minutes, depending on how hot your stove is. And then you're going to take the big leaves out of the milk and then you're going to add the milk a little bit at a time. Now, there is some debate over whether or not milk should be warm when you add it to your roux in order to make a sauce not lumpy. Now, Chef John from foodwishes.com and the YouTube channel Food Wishes, he actually has this saying, I think, about um, cold milk, no lumps in your roux. I can't remember exactly what he says, um, but he advocates for having your milk actually be cold when you add it to your hot roux. Um, and I've done that before with great success and I found that it doesn't get as, I don't have to stir as much. And when I made it this time around by doing it with the more milk, I actually did find that I had more lumps and I had to do more stirring. So I think I'm going to follow Chef John's advice and do cold milk next time. Um, I guess I wouldn't, it wouldn't infuse with have the infusion of the bay leaves, but I honestly didn't really notice any flavor that the bay leaves gave to this because my bay leaves are quite old um, and I need to replace them. So uh, then so you're going to continue to add all the milk until it is used up and your mixture is thick and smooth. And then you're going to add in your cheese. Uh, so then what I did was I put uh, all my pasta into my buttered baking dish and then I added my sauce. And then I added in my cotija cheese or parmesan, and then I mixed it and sprinkled it with salt and pepper. However, I need to add in, uh, I cooked my pasta, um, I cooked my spinach in with the pasta, like the last like minute or so of making the pasta. I added all of my spinach into the boiling water. And, um, and so in, I also ended up when I was mixing the sauce with the pasta, I added a little bit of nutmeg because nutmeg goes very, very nicely with um, with spinach. And I honestly thought that this was very, very bland. I salted my pasta water. I added seasoning and it just was bland. I'm not sure why. So what I ended up doing was I have some cheese powder from Trader Joe's and I ended up adding a bunch of that to my cheese sauce and that really improved the flavor it gave it just increased the cheesy flavor of it um it's a great product if you haven't checked it out uh it is I, I really like it for adding to just random things and I don't know I just don't know why it was it was just, my sauce was just so bland I guess I just needed to season it more and more um and I also ended up adding a little bit of red pepper flakes to this as well. And so then you're going to put this into, oh, you're going to top it with your breadcrumbs. And I mixed my breadcrumbs with some of the cotija cheese as well and some of the cheese powder. 
and then I uh, baked it in the oven for about 20 minutes and until the breadcrumbs were browned. And the kids really liked this. Uh, Al really liked it. I thought it was fine. Like I said, I haven't really been that into macaroni and cheese lately. I think it's a little boring. <laughs> and there's so many other things that I would rather do with pasta than make macaroni and cheese. And if I'm going to make macaroni and cheese, I kind of just want the boxed stovetop macaroni and cheese. I guess I'm kind of basic that way. All right, so moving on. Next up, we have sausage and chickpea spaghetti with whipped lemon ricotta. And this is a recipe that I wrote myself. And this was inspired by a recipe that actually Al cooked over spring break, which was uh, a kale and like chickpea spaghetti. And that was kind of lemony. Uh, and I wanted to sort of add a little bit more to it, uh, add some protein to it, and just, I don't know, just make it a little bit more uh, fancified, I guess. Uh, so this is what I ended up using was a pound of mild Italian sausage. You want to remove the casings. Half a pound of whole wheat spaghetti. You could use whatever pasta that you want here. Um, I think a longer noodle, though, would be good as opposed to a short pasta. Um, I thought the whole wheat worked really well with the other flavors. It also adds in some extra nutrients. So um, I like the whole wheat pasta use here. Uh, a large shallot, you want to mince that. Quarter teaspoon of chili pepper flakes, two cups of spinach, roughly chopped. Two cups of cooked chickpeas or about a one 15 ounce can of chickpeas, drained and rinsed, if you're going to do a can. Zest of a lemon, salt and pepper, and the juice of a lemon. I didn't measure how much juice. Um, I know every lemon is different in terms of how much juice they can yield. Uh, you're just going to have to do it by taste. And then the ingredients for the whipped lemon ricotta is going to be an eight ounce container of whole milk ricotta, zest of one lemon, a quarter cup of lemon juice, a teaspoon of black pepper, half a teaspoon of salt, and two teaspoons of olive oil. By the way, this is going to make way more lemon ricotta than you're actually going to need. Oh, and that's the other thing. I should have mentioned this. I had a bunch of the whipped lemon ricotta left over, and I actually added it into my macaroni and cheese. I forgot to talk about that. I needed to use it up, so I added it to my mac and cheese. And so for to make this, what you're going to do is you're going to heat a pan on medium-high heat, and then you're going to brown your sausage and break it up as it's cooking. And this takes about 10 minutes. And then you're going to add your shallot and cook for about two minutes. And then cook your pasta according to the package directions and make sure that you retain about a cup of pasta water. I always forget to do this, just like I always forget to salt my pasta water, but I remembered it all the times that I cooked pasta this week. And then you're going to reduce the heat to medium for your pan that has the sausage and shallot in it. And you're going to add your chili pepper flakes, chickpeas, spinach, and lemon zest to the sausage. And cook until the spinach is wilted and the chickpeas are worn through. This takes about three minutes. Then add your pasta to the skillet, stirring the lemon juice. Add half a cup of pasta water and stir. And then add, and then blend all the ingredients together for uh, the whipped ricotta. And you can serve this on top of the pasta or stir in. So I really like how this came out for the most part. There's a few other things that I need to work on with it. Uh, Al thought that it needed more pasta. I personally thought that I had plenty of pasta. 
Uh, I did think it needed more greens, and I think that this actually would be better with more spinach or with a heartier green like kale or chard. Uh, but I thought it was really delicious, and otherwise it was really successful, and I think I'm going to bring it into regular rotation for us. I think that it would be really good without the sausage as well if you want to add more chickpeas. Um, the chickpeas are hearty enough on their own. I just thought that the sausage would add uh, some some flavor to it and also just some more bulk and some more protein. I think if you're going to go without having the sausage, I think you do want to add some Italian seasoning uh, because the sausage does bring all of those spices that are found in a Italian sausage, so like the fennel and oregano and things like that. So I would add those in if you're not going to use uh, the sausage. All right, so next up is a recipe directly from Smitten Kitchen, and it's one of my favorite recipes from the site, and it's the blue cheese and red potato tart. And so if you're not a blue cheese lover, I know a lot of people are not, this might be your gateway dish to liking blue cheese. So the intensity of the blue cheese really mellows with the baking and plays well against the delicate flavor and buttery texture of the red potatoes. And I use mini red potatoes for this. It's what I found at the grocery store. You could use a larger uh, red potato. I think this would also work with um, any small waxy baking potato. It doesn't necessarily have to be a red potato. I think that the red potato though, the skin looks really nice uh, in terms of color uh, against the rest of the ingredients. All right, so here's the recipe. You need one savory pie crust. Um, you can make this uh, your own pie crust, or you can buy a pie crust. I made my own. I followed her recipe that is available on her website for this. A pound of small red potatoes, and you want to scrub these and cut into quarter-inch slices. A cup of heavy cream. I think I ended up using half and half for this and not heavy cream because that's what I had on hand. I'm not going to be really using cream for much else, so and I use half and half of my coffee, so I figured that the half and half would be fine. A large egg yolk, a quarter pound of blue cheese crumbled, this makes about three quarters of a cup. And I used a smoked blue cheese for this because it was the cheapest blue cheese available at the grocery store. And you know how I feel about smoked cheese, I talked about how I feel about fake smoke flavoring. Uh, on this podcast before and but I didn't actually get any of the smoky flavor from this at all which was fine um, and then uh, you're going to need a tablespoon of finely chopped herb or herbs of your choice such as thyme or rosemary and then fine sea salt so what you do is you are going to slice your potatoes crumble up your blue cheese uh, mix together your heavy cream and your egg yolk um, with your herbs uh, you're going to put your pie crust in your pie pan, and then you are going to lay out your potatoes in a nice pretty pattern if you so choose. And then uh, you are going to crumble up your blue cheese and place it on top of your potatoes, and then pour over the cream and egg yolk and herb mixture on top. And then you bake this, I think, for about 45 to 50 minutes until it is um, cooked through. Now this is not going to set like a quiche, it's going to be a little bit softer than that. Uh, so if you do have a little bit of like spillage, it's okay. It's not supposed to be a set tart uh, like a quiche. 
Um, for me, I completely forgot to season the potatoes. So they did end up a little bit bland. And I also forgot to add the herbs. Just completely just blocked out the fact that I needed herbs for this. Um, so it wasn't nearly as good as the other times that I've made it, but we did really enjoy it still because it's a really good recipe. The potatoes and cheese goes so nicely together. And uh, we, it made for great leftovers throughout the week. I would serve this just with kind of a simple salad or, you know, just some really simple vegetables on the side. It doesn't really need anything else with it. It is quite a rich dish. It's quite heavy. Uh, so it really needs to be up against something very light. I think this would be great warm. I think it would be great cold. I think it would be great room temperature. It would be good for lunch, breakfast, or dinner. So if you're having like a brunch, you could serve this. Um, I think this would also might be kind of nice if you did it as like little mini tarts as well. So if you did them in mini tart shells or in uh, a muffin pan, I think that this would also be very nice if you wanted to do it more as a an appetizer or an hors d'oeuvre. Um, I think that that would be very nice. And I, I just really, really like how the blue cheese works in this recipe. I like that it, it its flavor completely changes with the, the baking process. And it makes for a really nice dish. Um, it, it also just feels, it feels fancy. And that's kind of nice sometimes when you want something that's a little bit fancier. All right, so this week we talked about sheep hand noodles with pork. Gochujang apricot glazed pork chops with roasted broccoli and shrimp breadcrumbs, spinach macaroni and cheese, sausage and chickpea spaghetti with whipped lemon ricotta, and blue cheese and potato tart. Thank you for listening. If you like what you listen to, please leave a review on whatever podcasting app that you use. By leaving a review, this enables more listeners to find us. Also, you can follow When I'm Cooking for Dinner on Instagram at When I'm Cooking for Dinner. And there you can see all the recipes that I have been cooking. Uh, for In particular, I have posted uh, the sheep pan noodles with pork, the gochujang apricot glazed pork chops with roasted broccoli, the spinach macaroni and cheese, sausage and chickpea spaghetti, and blue cheese and potato tart. So everything from this week is up on Instagram if you want to see what those recipes look like when they are finished. I've been working really hard on trying to uh, take better photos and work on my plating. So go on over there and check them out. I think that they're actually quite nice to look at and you can get a better idea of what these recipes look like when they are finished. And if you would like to support the podcast monetarily, no pressure there, you can find us at uh, buymeacoffee.com at what I'm cooking for dinner. All right, thank you and I'll see you next week.